Yesterday, I released my top 10 prospects to start 2023. And in this episode, I'm going to round out the lottery. And there might be a surprise. Stay tuned. What is up? What is up? Hopefully everybody's new year is off to a good start. It is January 3rd and I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And before I get going, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. And I mentioned yesterday that I was so proud and so thankful that the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast did over a million downloads in 2022. I got this ambitious goal to double, maybe even triple it in 2023. So I'm going to try to put out the best content for you. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks gives first-time users a chance to get 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That is prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. This episode is coming out a little bit later than normal. Had a crazy day, man. I got a newborn. My little man had COVID for Christmas, and now he has the flu. I mean, he's still full of energy and, and happy, but, man, he's got this runny nose and this congestion and this cough that just is heartbreaking. So I spent the day um, with him and going to the to the doctor's office but hey he's gonna be good so um sorry that the episode is coming out a little bit later all right so let's get started so i did my my big board on yesterday's episode and for those that missed it i had victor Wimbayama going number one no surprise there no surprise at number two and at three and i'm sorry at number two i had scoot henderson at three and four, I had the Thompson twins, Amin and Asur Thompson at three and four. And at number five, it was the biggest surprise. I had G G Jackson and I'm just a big G.G. Jackson fan. Spent so far the majority of this season at 17 years old, just turned 18. I think that he is a a four man with some wing skills. He'd be able to beat guys off the dribble. He can make shots. I mean, I, I'm just very high on Gigi Jackson as an inside outside threat. At number six, I had Keontae George. At number seven, I had Nick Smith. Number eight, I had Brandon Miller. Number nine, Cam Whitmore. You know what? I probably should name where they're from just in case you're a casual fan. Victor Wimbayama is from France, plays for the Metropolitans 92. Scoot Henderson, the point guard from the G League Ignite. Amin and Asur Thompson, they are twins that are playing in the Overtime Elite League for the, I think, the City Reapers. Gigi Jackson, South Carolina. Keontae George from Baylor. Nick Smith from Arkansas. Brandon Miller from Alabama. Cam Whitmore is from Villanova. Kaysen Wallace is a point guard at the University of Kentucky. All right. So now, at number 11, I have... A guy that some people have been giving me credit for last year, kind of introducing him to the, I guess, draft Twitter. I'm not going to take credit for that, but I am a big fan. It is Terquavion Smith. I've been a Terquavion guy last year, and I have him at number 11 on my board. 
and you're probably thinking that's a little bit high, but I'm going to break it down. Why I have to Quavion at number 11. One of the comparisons I have for Traquavion is Jordan Poole. Poole is your microwave scorer, a guy that can come in and just provide instant offense. He can be a starter. He can come off the bench, but he is wired to score and has enough passing and playmaking to where he's not, you know, I mean, there's some guy like I use Alonzo Trier, for example. Alonzo Trier could score. He scored effectively in the NBA, but the knock on him was that he was just really, really selfish and didn't think about passing to others. That's just the knock and probably has played a role in why he hasn't played in the NBA in a few years. I think he's had an injury also, but he, I mean, even when you saw him in Arizona, he scored and and he still, I think he went undrafted. And then you, somebody may say, well, what about Jordan Poole? I mean, that's a, a question that I, that I hear often. Not Jordan Poole, I'm sorry, Jordan Clarkson. And they say Clarkson is a, a guy that doesn't necessarily pass. Totally different guys, right? So anyway, with Tercravion Smith, despite the fact that the efficiency numbers are not really good, which is not surprising. They weren't really good last year. Shot under 40% from the floor last year. He was on a bad NC State team. And, he, and that team was bad despite having Darion Sebron, who is currently playing, I think he's a two-way guy for the New Orleans Pelicans. Well, if you do a redraft from 2019, Jordan Poole was the 27th pick in that draft. If you do a redraft, Jordan Poole is a top 10 pick. If you redraft, I think Terquavion can be the 2023 version of Jordan Poole. And if he is Jordan Poole 2.0, then in my opinion, he's worth a lottery pick. One of the reasons I like Terquavion is that he is one. I just love his confidence and his ability to score. He has improved this year as a playmaker. His assist averages jumped from 2.1 to 5.3 and he's always been a good shooter just like if you just look at the raw numbers you're like oh he's about 35 36 percent from three I mean he does take a lot of difficult shots a lot of threes off the dribble but if you play him in a role in a, in a reduced role and if you use him as a spot-up shooter he's one of the best spot-up shooters in the country right now he has an effective Field goal percentage of 79% on open catch-and-shoot jumpers. So I think in the NBA with a reduced role where he is just kind of coming off the bench and being a microwave guy, playing with better teammates, guys that can create open looks for him, I think that he's going to do just fine as a scorer. Now, for whatever reasons, he has not shown the same athleticism that he showed last year. I mean, we still have plenty of time to go. Last year, he had some pretty impressive dunks. And one of the things I really like about him is that he's a righty, but he is a sneaky left-hand dunker. And this year, I think he's only had like three dunks this year. But the biggest improvement outside of literally more than doubling his assist numbers is he's shooting 61% at the rim right now. Last year, it was only 36%. I mean, I, I jokingly said he's like the baddest 160-pound man in college basketball last year. He's a little bit stronger this year, but he's improved his percentage at the rim almost 30 points. Now, we'll see what the number ends up being at the end of the season. The number may take a dip in conference play, but I love Terquavion and I love his role in the NBA. Now, the biggest concern is... 
obviously he doesn't have necessarily a natural position. You may say he's too small to be a two, not necessarily a distributor to be a one, even though he's averaging five assists per game. The biggest concern is he is a very streaky shooter. Now, I think defensively, he's going to get picked on because of his lack of strength. But he's averaging like two steals a game. He averaged over a steal a game last year. So he's pretty good at that. Sometimes he may be gambling for steals. But the biggest concern for me is that he's very streaky. Like right now, he is in the middle of probably the coldest shooting slump of his young career. He has only made 15 of his last 55 field goal attempts in his last three games. So, you know, the efficiency numbers are probably going to take a dip as we get into conference play. Another concern is that for him to be a really good shooter, especially like from off the catch, he's not a great free throw shooter. He's below 70% for his career in, you know, a season and a half. So those are my concerns there. But Overall, I mean, I still think that I would take him in the lottery. I'm probably one of the few people that would take him that high. But I'm a little biased. I'm a big Terquavion Smith guy. And I do think, like I said, if you're comparing him to Jordan Poole, Jordan Poole is a top 10 pick in a redraft. All right. Before I get into the next few picks, I want to talk to you about prize picks. Prize picks is the title sponsor for today. And it is daily fantasy made easy all you do is pick two to six players and if they will go score more or less than their prize picks projection you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry there's no competing against other people it's just you versus the projections available prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch nba nfl major league baseball college basketball for men and women's and even cricket an entry can be made in 60 seconds or less it is that easy safe and fast withdrawals Currently operational in 30 states and Canada. So just download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. If you're a first-time user, you can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. If you deposit 100, PrizePix will give you 100. If you deposit 50, PrizePix will give you 50. So do not forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. Once again, you're listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. This is your host, Rafael Barlow. And in this episode, I'm just going to talk about four players going to round out my lottery for my latest big board. At number 11, I had Torquevion Smith. And at number 12, I have Anthony Black. Now, what I like about Anthony Black is I like the fact that I was wrong about him. I was not the biggest Anthony Black guy coming into the season I had some concerns like in my notes I thought that he lacked an elite first step he is one of the sneakiest athletes like he's not like this quick twitchy poppy athlete I don't even know if poppy's a word but he's just not like this bouncy athlete where it's just quick twitch I mean nobody's the Amon Thompson I guess that's a bad comparison but anyway despite the fact that he doesn't his game isn't based off of athleticism, as weird as it may sound, Anthony Black is, he will put you on a poster. He does make some highlight reel dunks, just a different level of athleticism. Um, so I, I thought that he lacked like an elite first step. I didn't believe in the jumper. I did think that he had a chance to be a lottery pick. I mean, if you consider Dyson Daniels win as high as he did, and I actually probably like Anthony Black more than I like Dyson Daniels and it's just a preference for me like I'm a guy that 
that for a lottery pick for a point guard, I want a guy that gets downhill, gets to the free throw line, makes pull up jumpers, a guy that is not necessarily a connective tissue. That's just my personal preference for like a point guard. And some may say that Anthony Black is not necessarily a point guard. He's just a a big wing ball handler. But anyway, I was wrong about him. I was very skeptical. There were things that I liked. I liked his size. I liked the vision as a passer. And I do like his defensive potential because he has the size to defend and play multiple positions. But my biggest concern was about his role on offense. I thought he would be a very passive or reluctant scorer. And in my personal opinion, I feel like no matter how great your court vision is and how good of a passer you are, if you're a reluctant scorer as a point guard, then you kind of limit, you know, your passing. Now, you can be a ball mover. I mean, Draymond Green is is an example of a guy that's very reluctant scorer, but he is a great ball mover. And he's been in the system for a while. He's been a good ball mover since he, you know, forever. But you know, that, that system with Golden State, I mean, he just knows where everybody's at. So um, he is like an example of a guy that is not looking to shoot. And then, I mean, you can even say Ben Simmons this year. He doesn't shoot at all. I think he's had like six points in the last two games. And it's more so of like being a ball mover and a screener and so on. So, I mean, those guys can be effective if you're not a, a, a big-time scorer as a passer, but I think that you really unlock your passing ability, especially in pick and rolls. If you're able to get downhill and, and uh, collapse the defense and get guys open looks. So anyway, instead of that to say this, I was wrong about Anthony black. The shooting has been surprising. He's shooting 36% from three right now. That's probably like the biggest concern that I had. And he has, shown that he can score when, when when he wants to, when he needs to. I'm thinking like like the Creighton game, I think in, in Maui, he just really put on a show as a scorer. And the fact that he can defend multiple positions, that's not something that I'm, I'm shocked about. But I do think that he is a lottery pick just because he has a role as a connective tissue, a big wing that can handle the ball and he can initiate the offense. And there's always room for that in the NBA. If there was a big concern, I'd say it is his – inefficiency as a pick and roll scorer it's, it's kind of nitpicking and pick and roll scoring is not really big in college basketball you don't necessarily have the spacing you know you don't really find teams that have you know four shooters in a, in a big so um it's just kind of nitpicking here but i would like to see him be more effective as a pick and roll ball handler getting downhill and maybe he will in the nba like i said with more spacing and more opportunity um, I'm also concerned about the shooting off the dribble. He's only four for 14 on pull-up jumpers, and that's something that I think he'll need to improve in the NBA if he's going to be a primary ball handler. Some may say that's not his role, but I do think that he does have the potential if you have the right pieces around him to be a primary ball handler. I mean, I'm just thinking about all the advantages you could have on, on defense where you can switch everything with him, so... Anthony Black is number 12 on my list. All right. Now, at number 13, I have a guy that he's kind of confusing. It's kind of tough because I was very high on him. I had him as a top 10 guy. One of my favorite guys coming into the year is Jairus Walker. And what I like most about Walker is... His high school film, not his film, 
from the University of Houston. I actually had a scout tell me that in order to appreciate what he does, you have to go to watch him in practice because he has a different role in, in practice. And coming into this season, I saw Walker as this physical presence that could possibly play inside and outside. And I was just high on him as a passer. He's just a, a weapon because you don't really see guys with his physical gifts and strengths, strengths that have the passing instincts of a wing or a guard. I mean, he hits the cutter, he hits the roll, man. He's like a guy that can initiate the offense at like 260 pounds or however much he weighs. He hasn't really had an opportunity to showcase everything, his whole bag at Houston. And it's a situation where he went to a school that has aspirations to go to the final four. I guess every school does, but realistic shot at making it to the final four. It is a veteran team and he, he is just going to have to get in where he fits in. Now the numbers don't really pop out on paper, 8.8 points, 5.9 rebounds, two assists. He gets you a block and a steal per game, which is good. Shooting 45% from the floor, 36% from three, 69% from the foul line. Those numbers are good, but he's had games where, um, I think I mentioned in yesterday's episode, he had a game where he went scoreless. He actually just didn't make a field goal. So his role is totally limited. On the one hand, you can say the role that he's playing now is probably accurate to the role that he would play as a rookie in the NBA or maybe his first few years. So that may help him out. But the thing I like most about him, like I said, is his high school film. In high school, you had a chance to see the passing, the finishing, all of that. So... I still have him as a top 10 pick, but it is solely based off of what I saw in high school and a little bit of the flash and the glimpse, glimpses that he's shown at Houston. He has, you know, shown that he can pass the ball and make some reads. So um, my biggest concern is I have some questions about his touch around the rim. He's not really finishing with the efficiency that I, I thought. I mean, he is... You know, I mean, he's a guy that's so physical and he's athletic enough to where I would think that he should be able to just bully his way to easy shots around the rim. Now, he does struggle against length. And even though he's shown some flashes of being able to knock down open jumpers, it's weird because on offensive rebound putbacks, he's shooting less. Than, he's making less than 50 percent of those. Like there's guys that are making 70 percent of their offensive rebound putbacks. But he is missing, I want to say, like. 56% of his offensive rebound putbacks and then as far as like touch and you know I'm, I'm a big fan of soft touch finishes like guys that can finish around the rim but it doesn't always have to be like a layup or dunk and he is he has missed 10 out of his 15 runners around the rim now his field goal percentage at the rim is 57% which is solid but it still ranks only in the top 47 percentile of the nation according to Synergy so that is one of my concerns is not only more so his touch around the rim than his his role, because I wonder, is he going to struggle in the NBA against length? Is he going to struggle against guys that are just as strong as him and his size? Just a concern. All right. I have one more player that I want to talk about, but I have to talk to you, the audience and the listener about Bet Online now. BetOnline is the number one source for betting info, stats, news, and analysis. 
You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball, they even covered the World Cup. They have everything at BetOnline. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those on BetOnline as well. It is the fastest and the easiest way to get your sports betting info. So head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more. That's because BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, last segment. It's going to be a short segment. But the last player in my lottery is definitely going to catch some people by surprise. There are guys that, you know, when I look at different mocks, you know, you see like Dylan Mitchell. You may see Derek Whitehead. You may see, I mean, guys that I, I haven't already mentioned. But, I mean, there's just so many other guys. I've seen Grady Dick in the lottery. I've seen quite a few different names that, you know, they... I'm not saying they're unworthy, but they just didn't make my list. And the guy that has really stood out and has been impressive to me, and I have him in my lottery, even though I don't, I haven't seen anybody else have him in their lottery. I've seen him on Tankathon in the low 20s. I think ESPN had him in the low 20s. But I'm going with Maxwell Lewis as a lottery pick. And like I said, it may catch you by surprise, but if you've really had a chance to watch him play, you understand that this guy is a bucket. He is smooth. He can score. He can create his own shot. 6'7", 6'10", wingspan, athletic, can score in just multiple different ways. He could be this year's version of Jalen Williams. Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, not Jalen Williams from Arkansas. Isn't it weird that the Thunder drafted two guys with the same name? I mean, spelling is different. But like Jalen Williams, Lewis is kind of like under the radar in a sense because he's playing in the West Coast Conference. And it's a good conference. It's just when people think of the West Coast Conference, they think of Gonzaga. And that's it. Maybe BYU. But it's a conference that because it's on the West Coast and most people are probably sleep, doesn't get the same love as other conferences across the country. But the West Coast Conference is cranking out lottery picks every year. And in my opinion, Maxwell Lewis is the next one. Like I said, he's 6'7". Last year, he showed some flashes. He was on my radar last year. Um, The numbers were good. Uh, I thought last year he just took horrible shots. I thought his shot selection was just absolutely atrocious last year. And he still is a little raw. I mean, he's a guy that you can look at and just say he is just out there hooping off just crazy, pure, natural, God-given talent. But I like him a lot, and the Gonzaga game was enough for me to put him in the lottery. I don't think without the Gonzaga game, even though they lost, I don't think I would have had him in the lottery. I probably would have had him just outside of it. But his performance there made me realize, like, okay, this guy is in in my – I mean, I I feel like he's one of the best players out there. Now, they lost 111-88, so you can say they were ghost buckets, but he had 20 points. Five rebounds, five assists. He was efficient from the floor. He did have five turnovers. And if there is a concern, I'll get to his concern. I'll get to it right now before I get to all the the good stuff. He's bad on defense. Like, his defense is. It's like he's raw. It's like he, I don't know how to explain it. It's like he's just been out there hooping and doesn't understand, like, team defense. And he uses his athleticism to let guys go by him because he wants to get the chase down block. Now, if you look at the stats, he's averaging a block per game and a steal per game. 
that sometimes numbers lie, especially on the defensive end. But on the offensive end, the numbers are telling the truth. If you take a deep dive into his numbers, I mean, the efficiency is it's ridiculous. It's off the charts. He's shooting 49% on catch-and-shoot jumpers. If you leave him open, he's deadly. 73% on uncontested three-pointers. He's one of the top pull-up shooters in the nation at 39%. And he is making 75% of his shots at the rim. 75% of his shots at the rim. He's finishing with dunks. I mean, he can handle. He can create his own shot, pull up. He's got an arsenal of moves. And I think that with his offensive skill set, with a little bit of coaching and a little bit of experience under his belt, with his size and his athleticism, and he's even a good passer. I think there's upside for him as a passer. To me, it's hard to find 13 or 15 or 20 prospects that are better than him. Now, if you if you say his defense is so bad that he's not worth the lottery pick, I totally get that. But I personally feel like defense, if he wants to be a good defender, he can be a good defender. I think for a lot of guys, if you have the physical tools, defense is about the mindset, the mentality, and the effort. And I think that if he wants to be a good defender and decides that that's what he's going to be, and doesn't like there's nothing wrong with being a six man I think that he can be a six man in the NBA if the defense doesn't improve but I do feel like if he does make strides as a defender he could be a 30 minute a night guy and that's why I have him as a lottery pick all right well that wraps up this episode and I want to thank each and every person for listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. For making it your first listen of the day. Now, for your second listen, you got to check out the Game to Game Podcast. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. So follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA. And it is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Once again, this is Rafael Barlow. I rounded out my lottery. Stay tuned tomorrow as I will finish out my top 30 prospects. All right, that wraps it up, and I am out. <laughs>